Blog Talk Radio. Are going to be very stimulated by this particular alignment. 
All right, so, you know, tonight we're going to be starting what I'm going to call the planet series and uh, planets, including the sun and the moon from an astrological perspective. Uh, the sun is going to be the first one. That's tonight's topic. Topic. It's uh, the, the sun and your spiritual essence, essence of who you are. It was interesting that we we talked about last week on the show that we were going to be doing you know this series this week and then on uh, Sunday the sun itself our sun uh, emitted an, an enormous solar flare an M9 solar flare which sent a tremendous amount of energy to the earth it actually uh, began uh, bombarding our atmosphere on Tuesday morning and uh, if you've seen any of the pictures of the aurora borealis the northern lights that have been so profound. I think they've been seen as far south as Pennsylvania. I know that they were, um, you know, reported in all the northern areas of the United States, which is, you know, pretty far down south. It's not uh, customary that it, that those lights make it down further south than Canada. And so this week, uh, the northern portions of the United States, northern New York, Maine for sure. Uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, they all reported seeing wild displays. This is a tremendous amount of energy as we're going to talk about the sun is uh, representative of the life force on the planet. Obviously, without the sun, uh, we, we, we wouldn't be in existence. And so the sun has always been, even in ancient times, thought of as something extremely important and in ancient times uh, it was deified regularly we're going to talk about that in a little while I was thinking about sun symbolisms and in astrology uh, the sun actually rules Leo and so there's a certain kind of uh, glory brilliance a certain kind of valor uh, courage that's associated with the sun because Leo energy is combined with the sun. But the true energy of the sun outside of us, the, the sun, the real sun in our solar system, is that it's providing uh, a source of uh, energy for the planet. So inside of us, the sun is representative first and foremost as our energy. What is our energy? And that's a good question, actually. What is our energy? What keeps us going? What wakes us up in the morning? What gives us motivation? What drives us to do certain things? What actually animates our living form? What gives life, basically, to your um, your body, your, your soul, your, your mind? And that energy is thought of as the sun energy in astrology it's a representation of the sun and where you have it in your chart that's called your sun sign um, but i just wanted to give a little tiny bit of um maybe a little history on uh, on the sun because it goes way back that the sun has actually been worshipped as a, a deity you know the um we have apollo and helios the greeks and the romans um the incan culture had inti the Egyptians certainly had Ra. Ra is obviously a very important, and I think, uh, you know, amongst people who uh, are our listeners, that, um, you know, there's, they, they know a bit about, I think, histor historical uh, references in spirituality. Ra is the Egyptian sun god. I the Egyptians saw him as light and warmth and also growth, the capacity to grow things. So as the sun... Um, 
you know, gets uh, the days get longer and the sun's energy actually gets stronger in the northern hemisphere during our summer, then growth actually happens. That's actually, right, the time of the growth period of farming. So we're talking about the outside energy of the sun, but it's a mirror of the inside energy of the sun. That energy, the sun energy inside of us, is a representation of our light, our warmth, and how we grow. So if, for instance, you are a Leo, which is very, uh, you know, easily aligned with the sun's energy, then you're someone who is warm and light and generous and gregarious and, and, and brilliant, uh, you know, a large kind of personality, because brilliance, I think that's, uh, that's a part of, um, um, that's a part of, um, the energy of Leo. But if you're a Virgo, you're still having that growth energy and um you're still having you're still having that growth energy, but it's being expressed through something different. It's being expressed through um a more grounded, more practical kind of energy. And this is the way in which you grow. This is the way in which you show your light if you're a Virgo. And um, I do see a couple of people have logged onto the chat room, so I just wanted to say hi. And somebody actually asked if I noticed a change with the solar storm, and I would have to say yes. That I feel that there's um, th that there's been uh, potentially almost like a little bit of an aggressive energy. Uh, we certainly see it in politics, but I know that I've you know been hearing about it in my private practice, and um, there's a sort of a heightened level of let's say a burning off and um, that's what the sun energy outside of us is capable of doing it's capable of actually burning off um, a, a kind of low level energy when we talk about our shadow when we talk about our dark side um, the sun is counter um, is a counter to that and because uh, obviously the sun has no shadow I love that and so the sun's energy and that enormous bombardment of solar energy through the planet has sent a tremendous amount of light and warmth and growth. You know, the old Egyptian concept of Ra, that when it, when it makes itself known like that, when the sun sheds its light upon us, then what it's going to do is it's going to burn away the darkness. Well... Uh, you know, potentially in order to be able to go through an experience like that, the darkness itself is going to try to, um, is going to try to, uh, you know, rear its ugly head until the solar energy can burn it off. So, um, you know, in answering some of that question, I hope that that might have helped. That yes, I did notice a bit of the, so the solar energy, and it's lingering. Obviously, it's it's not yet gone. So, um, Ra was the Egyptian sun god, and um, there there were even uh, there was even a big Mayan sun god, uh, Kukulkan, and the Temple of the Sun, and the Hindus and the Aztecs, and way back Mesopotamian culture. The old uh, Shamash god is also a god of the sun. So the, the sun has been thought of in a deified form for a long time. And I think that, um, you know, one of the reasons for that is, is because it is the provider of life. And so since we've always been seeing, you know, God itself or the great creator as provider of life, then um, it makes sense that the sun was a principally deified 
uh, energy. I wanted to just look at the very beginning of something that I, I really like a lot, and it's called The Hymn of the Sun, and it was written by St. Francis of Assisi. Kind of interesting because he was a, uh, a saint. And um, he wrote an entire poem about nature because he was the nature-loving saint, and I, I believe he's the, the, the patron saint of animals and nature or something. Like that. You can't quote me on that, but it's something about nature that he was very involved with animals and he might be the patron saint of animals and nature. But anyway, he wrote actually in the opening of this poem, right? Be thou praised, and he's talking to God, for all thy creations, more especially for our brother the sun, who bringeth forth the day and giveth light thereby, for he is glorious and splendid in his radiance, and to thee, most high, he bears similitude. Very interesting. He bears similitude. St. Francis of Assisi equated the sun with God. Uh, similitude means like the likeness of. So I find it's interesting that even in modern Christianity, we have, um, you know, a, uh, a, um, uh, a saint who equated um, God with the sun. What I want to do, because I see there is somebody in the, uh, in the, on the switchboard, is that I'm going to actually bring them on, and we'll see if they want to do a reading, have a, have a question or something. Uh, 780, you're on the Inside Connection. Hey, it's uh, Jay Cullen. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Hey, pretty good. So, just an uh, interesting... Uh, Interesting season right now. The sun just blurring out that solar energy stuff. I mean, they missed us. The the, the coronal mass injection uh, missed us a couple of times, and now it's getting us head on right now almost. Yeah, <laughs> and we're really working up to the very big uh, solar maximum in 2013. This is actually just the real beginning. So yeah. I think. I think whatever the part of the change that we're needing to go through is. Um, you know, certainly going to be instigated in part by the sun. You you would think that since 2012, 2013 is the solar peak. And I think in the early 1900s, it could have been late 1800s, there was actually a period of solar flare that completely knocked out all telephone lines throughout Europe and the United States. The entire electrical grid and communication grid was completely wiped out. I don't have that date exactly again about quoting me, but I know that that's actually a fact. So we have a lot of vulnerability to the sun and electromagnetic energy, and I, I don't feel like it's ever something that we need to worry about. I think that in the way in which um, you know life dictates its terms, we always need to be able to um, adapt to whatever it is that we're confronting. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's uh, it's all about so that so those solar flares and uh, I'm not looking for a reading. Actually, I got a curious question to ask you because you're an astrologer, right? Um, yeah. Or do you, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah, you noticed? That's what I do. Yeah, I just wondered. Have you noticed the the clients that you're working with? Uh, there's their their charts for this year. Okay. Do you see a lot of differences in how the sun actually plays an important part in how they're changing or you know? either in relationship or other stuff in their lives. Do you see more of a difference this year than maybe, let's say, you know, five years ago? Or, That's a good question. You know, you know, you're asking yeah. me if the sun's energy or magnitude has increased or if I've noticed that it has. 
actually couldn't say that I've noticed that it has, that the sun in particular is playing more of an importance in those issues. I think that in astrology, in the way that I do astrology, um, uh, each individual is experiencing like a very unique kind of a chart experience. And I don't kind of blanketly throw the energy on the sun all over everyone to see how it is affecting them. So when when people are, you know, coming to me and they, they have specific issue or questions, then um then I'm looking at their very individual chart. And so what's going on for them at the time, it, it could very well be about the sun. Could be but not necessarily. It could be about some other kind of energy. But, you know, it's an interesting question, and I think that I will make a note of that and see what my uh, whether I notice something. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, you know, because this is a pivotal year for, I think, a lot of people, all, all 7 billion people on this earth right now. So Yeah. Um, and, yeah, uh, and, you know, that's interesting that I remember, you know, I'll, I can bring up that I remember reading a fantastic book called Last Days of the Dying Sun, and it was really about how solar energy is contained in oil, that, you know, uh, very briefly, the you know, there was a time when human population could only get as big as the amount of energy that came from the sun in one year. So the sun shined down X amount of energy in one year. That grew X amount of food. And so that supported X amount of people. Very simple, right? And now, by burning oil to run farm machinery and electricity, and we've increased our population to the equivalency of the amount of solar energy each year we use it up, like 10, 20 times the amount of energy that would come to the Earth just in one year. So our population has increased because we're using stored sunlight in oil. That's a very interesting thing about the sun, is that it is the primary source of energy. Yeah, we have other sources like gravitational or geothermic or whatever, but the main source and even and even tidal uh, energy is, is is also a part of the sun. But um, the um, the main source, the, the huge quantity of energy that's being collected on the planet on a daily basis is coming from the sun. So it's really all about energy. But um, listen, I appreciate you calling and asking me the question. I am going to, uh, I think, uh, take another caller because she's been waiting for a little while. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Very All right. Much. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good evening, and yeah. thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, Mary Lou, you're on yes? the Inside Connection. Well, hi. Hi. How are you tonight? I'm good. I have both a question, and if you're giving readings, I'd love one. I am. Um, my question, I already tapped, typed into the chat room. I'm trying to understand what this... Um, Mars in retrograde is. Yeah, it's kind of a big Mars in retrograde. If you go back, just just for just because I'm going to tout my show. If you go back to last week's episode, which was the very first show, it was my first episode. I talked all about 2012, and I did a whole opening about the Mars retrograde. So there's a, there's okay. got to be a good five minute answer for you about what it actually is because it's in Virgo. But I'm not going to just make you go there. I'm going to give you a little recap on that. The, um, I felt that this year was starting off with a retrograde Mars in Virgo so that we could all collectively take an accounting of what it is that we need to maintain, that 
we put a lot of energy out for growth, 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 but we don't necessarily put the same amount or even a fraction of that amount of energy into what it's going to take to maintain all of that forward growth and movement. So for us individually and for us socially, I believe the retrograde, Mars, the answer to your question is that it's causing us to review, because it's in Virgo, it's causing us to review what and how we need to put energy in to maintain, including our health or our home or our children. I mean, it obviously can be a wide range, but that's the answer. Okay. Um, so what's your birth date? October 22nd, 1962. And um, your birth time, do you know it? It's 12.07 in Wheeling, West Virginia. 12.07 p.m. in the afternoon? A.M. A.M., right after midnight? Mm-hmm. Right after midnight. Uh, on October 27th in Wheeling. No, not this 27th, at 22. 22, 10-22-1962 at 12.07 in Wheeling, W-H-E-E-L-I-N-G. Yep, got it. I see it, good. It's in my ephemeris, that's great. So Wheeling, West Virginia, and let's talk about what's going on with you. Um, So um, I don't know if you've ever seen your chart, but according to the birth information that you gave me, you have cancer rising and uh, and moon in Leo, and you're a Libra, late Libra. Um, There's some things that jump right out at me, like uh, right out at me. For instance, Neptune is going to be conjuncting your Jupiter and Pisces, and also it's sextiling your sun in Libra. Um, Saturn is also on your sun in Libra, so if there's a little something that feels oppressive right now, that could be what's going on there. I see where Neptune was square your Venus in the last couple of years, so if you had some kind of a relationship betrayal, I'm sorry about that, and um, hopefully you've you know worked your way through that, and because it was a couple of years ago, um, I feel like. You know, when I when I'm looking at your chart, you're very sensitive. You're you have uh, you know Venus in Scorpio. You have Jupiter in Pisces. Um, you're also very proud. You know, you have um, Mars in Leo, the Moon in Leo, and you have Mercury and the Sun in Libra. These are predominant areas of your chart. A little bit of fire, a little bit of water, a lot of water, and a little bit of air. Um, and um, I think the fairness part of you, that Mercury in Libra is very good. That's a very good a very good thing for you to have because it probably balances for you your, uh, you know, go out on a limb here and say maybe your need for attention balanced with your need to take care of others because, you know, you have a strong, this very kind of strong Piscean part of your chart. One of the things that I guess is coming up for you is that, um, Neptune conjuncting your Jupiter is a very big expansion in things that you actually hope for or, um, you know, have... Uh, are you are you married? No. No. So are you in a relationship right now? No. No. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I think that you, that, that, you know, you might hope for is to be able to have that kind of intimacy, someone to share with on a certain level. That's a possibility for you to be able to attract that at this time. And it's someone also very sympathetic, very empathic, someone who's very kind, potentially someone who's kind of art, art, artsy, artistic, um, but in a nice way. And the energy that, that, 
that's sort of oppressing you right now, that's making you feel like, oh, God, relationships, and uh, what am I going to do? You know, there's nothing there, and blah, blah, blah. Whatever's going on, especially for you at home, if your birth time is correct, there's kind of an almost like an oppressive energy in your house, your literal house. Um, that's going to lighten up and dissipate by the end of the year, and I think it's going to really open you up to more expression and uh, something that's definitely more intimate for you, almost like a like a psychic relationship where you get involved with somebody and it's a very there's like a knowing between you and the other person, something very very healthy. I would obviously tell you to stay clear of anyone who's a substance abuser because that's mm-hmm. another expression of Pisces. And I think you could at this time at your age attract in a relationship with someone who's actually very empathic and 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 caring. Okay. Yeah. Any awesome. any questions about about your chart? No. Or anything I like in particular saying, you wanted me to look at? Um. It, it does it look? Okay. Well, how does the um? How does the particular Mars retrograding? Strike uh, that's a very good question. Do you have brothers out? and sisters? Do I? Yeah. Do you have a breath? Do you? Mhm. Are you, are they giving you any trouble? Always. Uh huh. Well, I think that's one of the ways. I think that's one of the ways that it's going to impact you, because you the retrograde Mars is actually in your third house, and so it's actually part of the maintenance is the relationships with them, and your what and I think it's you coming to terms with what you need to do in order to be able to maintain healthy relationships with them. The in particular. Um, Mars is going to, I think, go down and conjunct your Pluto. I'm just looking at, um, real fast, pull out. Um, yes, absolutely. In early March, in early March, all the way through kind of like a late April, March, April, I think you're going to see, um, some energy both directed at your ability to earn money. This is going to sound kind of a double weird, kind of a double thing, but Mars is the ruler of your 10th house, so it does it does affect you through business, um, but also through, like, the way you're, you're seen socially. So I just think that if, if you can figure out how to maintain your relationships with your siblings in a, in a, in a maintain, you know, in a, in a healthier way for you, that's another really good word for Virgo, then that's going to be one of the really important things you can do with the Mars retrograde. It's very difficult for people to take a lot of forward motion in a Mars retrograde. It's something that, um, that, um, you know, it's all about reviewing previously established actions. It's not about creating new actions. Uh, is it a bad time to start a new project or to finish an old project? project? It's a great time to finish an old project. Absolutely. Awesome oh, time. Fine. I would wait to start a new project. If it's a substantial new project, I actually would wait until April. It's, it's and an all old... the planning, all the planning for the project can be done now and, and all kinds of like preliminaries can be done. So sort of background can be done. Anything that's going to need to be maintained once it's actually done, once the project is actually, you know, for instance, just for example, if it, if it needed business cards or letterhead, those would all be maintenance things. Those could be done now, but launching it, launching a website, I would recommend now. 
Well, if if the project's been going on like years and years and years and years, yes, and that's you fine. To... I would say it's a great time for completion. Okay, but it would involve a new website. <laughs> <laughs> it involves a new website to complete it. Yeah. I mean, it's but the last are the concepts for the website, how they already been laid out? Is it already something that's been in place for a while? Yeah. Okay, then that's fine. That fits I, within. I mean, it's revamping something that's been going on forever. Yeah. Now's a good time to finish it. It might be hard for you to finish it, but if you if you looked at absolutely finishing it in this March retrograde period, you could. Very good for you because it's your third house. It's not only about brothers and sisters, it's about communication. So whatever it is that you have to tell, whatever it is that you're trying to get out there, um, you know, information wise, very important for you. Okay. okay. I was a little concerned about that because I really yeah, need to Yeah, don't be. Get don't belt. be. Don't be. It it I think for you it's about figuring out what you want to um, what you want to write, what you want to say, what you want to convey, get those opinions down. If you've been working on that for years, then it's a time to uh, create substance out of it. That's Virgo. Sit down, do the do the grunt work, the dirty work, and then get it out there. Okay. All right. Sounds like you're not reading uh, astrology anymore. It sounds like you've switched over to something else. <laughs> no, no, I am. Listen, it was good to talk to you, Mary Lou. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a good night. So, you know, whenever somebody calls in, whenever anybody calls in, I certainly like to make their, uh, what's going on for them, a part of, um, you know, what's going on for for other people. So that's important. And I think Mary Lou asked an interesting question about the Mars retrograde. It is a big thing in astrology. It went retrograde on the 23rd of January, and it's going to be retrograde until the 13th of April. That's a long time. That's, you know, all of February, March, and most of April. And it's in Virgo. And in general, although it does affect each person's chart in a different way, um, in general, um, I think that it has to do with a review of what it is that we need to maintain. Uh, so we want to take a little bit of a look at that. You know, what is it that we need to maintain? I see I have another caller. I'm going to ask you just to hold for just a second. We're going to listen to the Beatles for just a second. And this is the Inside Connect.
Welcome back. I'm Dr. Craig Martin. This is Inside Connection Radio, and you're listening to me live, and this is a call-in show. So remember that the call-in number is 213-943-3395, 213-943-3395. We're on every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern, doing live astrology readings and talking about spiritual energy, the energy of metaphysics, what's going on for the changes this year, and how you can improve yourself by finding out a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you need to work on in order to be able to really achieve your destiny, really be able to express yourself fully in the world. Tonight's segment is about the sun. We're talking about happiness, life, spirituality. You know, the rising sun is a symbol of hope. And because, you know, each day, right, it rises, thank God. And, um, you know, we, we, we take that for granted in some ways, but the truth of the matter is is that um, the rising sun comes back and the coldness of the night dissipates somewhat. And uh, we know that if the sun comes back again, there's going to be light. And light is really important because darkness is really hard to see in. Think about that metaphor. 440. You're live on the air, Inside Connection. Welcome. Hi, my name's Andrew. How are you doing today? Hi, Andrew. Welcome. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I've been going through Blog Talk uh, Radio, and I ran across your show live, and uh, an interesting you know, comment on the sun. And I do energy work myself, and I kind of was in the chat room, and I kind of noted that with uh, clients with PTSD, that was, there was a, a really strong change when the sun the sun energy flared up. Ah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's it's the you know, we talk about the sun and we talk about the way that it affects us, but you know, there's even like something that they labeled seasonal affective disorder, right? People who right. get depressed in the winter with lower hours of sunlight. I think you know, physiologically we have a gland right behind our forehead called the pineal gland, and in, in Hinduism it's the representation of the third eye. I'll tell you something interesting about the pineal gland that I learned, um, you know, when I was uh, doing uh, my, uh, my doctorate program, and that is that the pineal gland actually turns off in the winter and stops making the hormone that uh, it customarily makes. And um, what happens is, is that we become more connected with our sort of inner voice. So a lack of sunlight and shortened days forces us to kind of go inward. It's interestingly, as the daylight gets longer, the gland turns on and it secretes its hormone again. And one of the things that we and all animals do is we become more sexual in the spring, so I found that also very interesting, that in the winter, this, this gland, I mean, obviously humans are, are sexually oriented year-round, but this gland um, uh, actually makes all animals uh, more procreative in the spring so that they can have their babies when there's a lot of food around. And even humans, although obviously we've lost a lot of our connection to that natural cycling, we have it as well. The, on a spiritual uh, point, though, um, putting yourself in darkness causes the pineal gland to shut down, and it causes us as individuals to go in. So I think solar energy at, at all kinds of levels is affecting us. Um, I think that also the pineal gland, it's because it detects light. 
it actually detects light, not like the eye, not like a retina, but that's why it's called the third eye, because light literally passing through your, the bone in the front of your head, the pineal gland can detect how much light you're being exposed to. So like a light very, meter? Like a light meter. You know, when we spend a lot of time in artificial light, so the pineal gland is often not turned off. It's often not put into that natural time of darkness in modern culture. That, that's interesting. Some of the some of the patients that uh, I work with uh, work in the CENTCOM command, and they work in artificial light. And a lot of them have been uh, reporting, you know, PTSD or nightmares. And and when they came back home and the winter came through, it, it really triggered a lot of dreams and nightmares for them. And then this past cycle where, where it really, the sun energy really kicked up, it was a rapid acceleration of the nightmares and kind of overwhelming to the clients that I had. And then many of them reported very, very similar experiences. Right. Are you using those dreams and nightmares to facilitate, like, looking at what's going on in their unconscious? Yeah. A, a, lot something... are, are radi- a lot of them are radio operators, are radio operators and can't turn off the radios in their dreams. Wow. And, uh constantly are going through, you know, they're, they're unable to, to, to control the radios even though they're, they're a, a dream device, but, you know, they're, you know, yeah, yeah. sent on command telling telling a guy on the ground, you got to go in and, and blow that building up or you right. got to go in and find out who's in there. And, you know, the voice is in the like radio. Almost like a forced connection, right? Almost like right. a forced connection. Like they're not Correct. able to disconnect Correct. from, yeah, that's interesting. There has to be some sort of, um, you know, specific maybe imagery that you can use, like uh, disconnecting, like the idea of pulling out a plug or blowing out right. a handle. That kind right. of imagery could probably be very useful. Anyway, I had seen where you checked in, where you checked in, and you were in the chat room there, and um, and uh, you know, I really appreciate you calling in. Thanks. Yeah, no, it was good to listen to your show. I have yep. a question. Could you do a quick reading on, on me? I was oh, born yeah, March absolutely. 23rd. Yeah, not a problem. Um, we'll bring up that uh, that software, and uh, definitely, here we go. So tell me your first name again. Andrew. Great, and can you give me, can you give me um, the first initial of your last name? I'll give you the last name. It's Bartzis, B-A-R-T-Z-I-S. I know that kind of works into the numbers. Okay, and the and the date of birth? Three twenty three seventy four. And the time, do you know it? Eight thirty one AM. And the birth town? Mayfield, Ohio. Mayfield, Ohio. I got two counties, Butler and Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga. Okay. Um, you know, it says late Aries rising, um, Aries, you're in Aries, and you have moon in Pisces, very close to the sun, actually. You were born during a new moon, um, which is a very kind of integrated energy between your outer and inner self, even though they're in different signs. And um, you're someone who also has a lot of Pisces in your chart, 
but um, you're you're much of a thinker, a reader, because you're Mars as a man, your Mars is in Gemini. So some of the very strong energies in your chart is that you're Aries, you kind of, you know, really know who you are, and, you know, you have a great sense of your personal identity, and even with Aries rising, that's very important. Uh, Mars and Gemini, I hope you're a bit of a reader. I hope you like to stay informed. At least I hope you're surfing the Internet and finding lots of information and gathering information. It's very important for you. And then the other strong part of your chart is this Pisces part. You have Mercury in Pisces, Jupiter in Pisces, Moon in Pisces. A lot of Pisces, you know. So hopefully you have an outlet for your art some kind of place where you can express your emotional creativity and that it doesn't feel too stifled. Because really, actually, Andrew, you're a very intuitive guy. You're, you're the, the, even though you've got a lot of air in your chart, air is Gemini, and you also have Libra, and you also have Aquarius. If we get in a lot of detail, that's a grand trine in air because you have all three air signs in your chart. So you're a great communicator, very funny, very social, like to have friends, like to make good connections with friends, like to have a relationship with somebody, like a one-on-one. Uh, that's sort of important to you. Even though, did you just break up a relationship? Uh, no. Uh, no? Has it been years rough? Ago. Um, oh, well, I don't know. I kind of turned into my own personality and turned into reading and, and just being social with people. It, it, right. You know, the girlfriend thing, it, it it really wasn't that big of a deal for me. I mean, it ended, but, you know, okay. it, it wasn't meant to be. All right, well, there's something more serious coming probably at the beginning of next year because Saturn is going to actually go into your seventh house, which is the house of marriage and commitment. So it's possible that you'll be feeling more serious about a relationship at the end of this year and that someone will come along, maybe a couple of years older than you, not a lot older than you, but a few years, somebody that's... um, Somebody that's, uh, re- you know, relationship-oriented and that actually interests you because they're fair-minded and I think they get your, um, you know, your 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 sensitivity. Do you play any kind of, like, fantasy games? Did you ever play any kind of fantasy games? When I was a kid, yeah, and I wrote a fantasy novel three years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's something that, um, you know, you always can do, and um, I think it's just really important for you to be able to stay connected to writing. Um, Mars and Gemini, you have Saturn and Gemini in the third house. <clears throat> um, that, um, you know, the, the woman that you actually should be with actually should come from, like, a friendship. She should be somebody that you feel friendly with. Because you have Venus in, in Aquarius in the 11th house. You're really actually very sort of destined to, you know, hook up in a really nice relationship with someone that you feel very friendly with. It's a real friendship, and that that's the foundation of your of of a, of a healthy love life for you. Um, how, I how think is you know. Affect- say it again. How is Mercury affecting me? How is Mercury right now presently where it is, yeah. or how does yeah. your Mercury in your natal chart affect you? In my natal chart, and then yeah, Mercury in your natal chart makes it sometimes difficult for you to distinguish reality from fantasy. It it trips you up sometimes. You know, it's um, it's it's sometimes the place where the Aries part of you is extremely confident. You think you really know what's going on. Mars and Gemini, you're a good communicator, and then wham, you know, just you were imagining, you were daydreaming, you were fantasizing about something, and. Um, it wasn't as real or, or it wasn't what you thought it was because you were projecting onto it. 
By the same token, I want to say that if you really cleared yourself out, like if you cleared out a lot of your own, say, ego needs, right, because that's where you're mm-hmm. going to uh, bring in a kind of fantasy situation with friends, with girlfriends, with family, with coworkers. I mean, it's possible on every level for you. Um, if you cleared out those ego needs, what you would really do is become in tune to the truth of a situation. It would become the opposite of experiencing it as a fantasy, um, uh, you know, life as a, you know, sort of like, oh, my God, maybe this is as good as it as it looks, you know, and then you find out that it's not. But you would be able to clear it out and you would be able to say to yourself, okay, I see what this is. And I know why it is that I want it to be more or I know why it is that I want it to be this way because you're very idealistic. And so you're really looking at people, I think, as a as a as a place of their potential, you know, mm-hmm. like you see through what could be someone's potential, but if the Pisces part of you is definitely going to overlook the reality of who's really standing in front of you. Is remember, someone's potential, which you're perceiving, is quite different from, uh, you know, who they really are, or the way, the, how much work they've done on themselves, and and how close they are to that potential. Not and most people haven't really even come close to that to what it is that you're capable of seeing that they could do for themselves, with themselves, for themselves. That that's a very great way of putting it. I mean, I've been trying to give it words myself. I, I got a nickname that I'm master of the obvious, especially when it comes to people. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's something I was nicknamed when I was like ten years old. It says you can always point out the obvious and everything in every way. Right. So anyway, it was really good to talk to you, and I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you. And yeah, I'm glad that you, you were able to always come back show. on. Always come back on Thursday nights. Next week I'm going to be on Wednesday because Thursday night is Groundhog Day. I'm going to do a. Uh, a uh, February the first show on Wednesday night at eight o'clock next week. So maybe we'll uh, catch you then too. All right, thanks a lot. Have Bye-bye. a great night. You're very welcome. Awesome, great callers, great discussion. I love seeing people in the chat room. Thank you so much for coming and listening to my show. I really appreciate it. You know, you can um, find me on Twitter at Astro Healer, and you can also find me on Facebook as Dr. Craig. That's spelled out. Doctor spelled out. Craig, and um, that's a place where I think there are updates, uh, you know, on a regular basis. It's not something every day that I do, but I definitely do tweets and uh, Facebook updates about things like the solar storm or the Mars retrograde, big things, or when the sun changes sign uh, or when a planet changes sign. I'm always, uh, you know, putting some information out there about what that means for all of us. So um, please, you're welcome to find me in those places. I wanted to talk a little bit about the, you know, the astrology of the sun. And just uh, the astrology of the sun is um, very important in astrology because that's why we call it the sun sign. You know, when when somebody says, what's your sign? You say, you know, oh, I'm a Scorpio or I'm a Libra. What that really means is where the sun was when you were born. So, for instance, right now the sun is in Aquarius. If we looked at the stars behind the sun, they would be the stars of Aquarius, roughly. And that's why we say your sun sign. The reason we can, we've, we've uh, you know, whittled it down just to what's your sign means what's your sun sign is because it's technically really the very most important 
part of your chart and it's because the sun in your chart represents your own personal essence your own personal life force it's your basic expression and as we had talked before about the hindu um thoughts about the sun as light and warmth and growth our basic life force is what causes us to grow both spiritually and physically actually i mean even when we're a baby and we're growing the sun is what's providing that essence that that warmth that's necessary for us to grow so as a vehicle for warmth and light it's actually kind of incredible that um that that we we're in the presence of the sun and that we're capable in astrology of saying wow i took on the sun's energy in scorpio or aquarius for people who are being born right now to be able to say i took on the energy of the sun in aquarius which meant that as an essence i am a humanitarian you know as an essence i am somebody who is thoughtful, generous, concerned for others, looking for high ideals, because that becomes the very most core part of your basic expression in life. And so as an astrologer, the sun is always important to look at. And um, <clears throat> I, feel, I feel like, you know, we all know where, our, where the sun is in our chart. And I think that, you know, because we, most people know their sign. Somebody says, where's your sign? You say, oh, I'm a Pisces, I'm a Gemini. That you know that, that what that means is that that's where the sun was when you were born. In sort of subsequent segments that I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be talking about um, the other planets in the, in, the planetary, in the planet segments that I'm doing. Like next week is going to be about the moon. And a lot of people don't know where their moon is. You know, tonight we talked about the moon and the different people who called in. So, you know, you're always welcome to call back and find out where your moon is um, on any uh, given week because I'm happy to do those readings. Um, so, you know, basically in closing, I want to talk about how the sun provides us with our, our drive to be seen. And um, even even if we're Virgos or Pisces, which are more retiring or more shy, the sun provides you with your energy to be seen. And even if a Virgo wants to be seen as somebody who's taking care of mundane tasks, who's maintaining the nitty-gritty, even if it's, uh, you know, somebody who's a Virgo who's doing real detailed work, uh, uh, that's where they want to be seen as shining because that's what their essence is. Or a Pisces, you know, we think of a Pisces energy possibly as like very selfless and almost as if it's not an ego thing for them. And, and it's not technically, it's really not what you would call an ego thing for any of us, but the sun is a representation of our ego energy. It's a way our ego is expressing itself in the world, and in a healthy way, it's a place in which where we feel like we shine. So if you're a Libra, you want to be able to feel like you're shining in your relationship, you know, like you're doing that compromising, you're doing that, um, you know, discussing with some somebody, that you're having that fairness with them, that you're asking for fairness from them, but that you're offering it back to them. You want to know that you shine as a negotiator and a communicator. And if you're a Scorpio, you want to know that you shine as someone who's intuitive, who's able to dig deep into uh, the underpinnings of life and really figure out what the deeper emotional issues are. You know, ultimately, the sun is really about love and life. 
The sun is about love and life. And those are the things that the sun is actually giving us. It's giving us life and it's shining down its warmth and love upon us all. So the sun in all of us is a representation of that. And with that, I want to say, please tune in next week. I'm going to be on the air on Wednesday. And what I'd like to leave you with is I'd like to leave you with a little one from Robin. It's called Show Me Love. Yeah, 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 yeah.